0: The scripture reading for this morning is found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 21 at verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, On a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, "'Hosanna to the Son of David!' Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Bob. Well, as you know, as you you seen it on the worship folder, you see it in front of you here. This is our Baptism Sunday. We have a few of these a year. And we get to be part of this great morning together. Now, as these individuals will come forward in a little bit, it is about them and their faith with Christ and what they're saying about Jesus and what God is speaking over them in this moment. But it's also for all of us today. As we watch these individuals profess faith and baptism itself signifying as a flashing neon sign about this individual person and all the benefits and blessings and riches that are found in Christ for them. It is a word picture of the gospel. We too, as a congregation, will be ministered uh, by baptism, their baptism, as a means of grace today. God's blessing upon this congregation as we gather today. Uh, you see the names behind me of our two candidates today, Donna DeConing and Mason De Bruin, who will be coming up here in a little bit, each of these individuals has attended a two-session baptism class. Uh, the first, we discussed and went over truths of the gospel, what is the gospel, What is baptism? Who is Christ in your life, in their lives? And the second, they had an opportunity with me to share uh, and go over their testimony, their story of faith in Christ. So today, we practice the Ordinance of Baptism as a word picture of the gospel. Together, a picture of Jesus. As we think about Jesus' ministry, and especially in the context of this Holy Week and the Palm Sunday entrance, triumphant entry into Jerusalem, passage we just read, much of Jesus' ministry was unexpected, wasn't it? It was strange. It was unexpected in its tone, its purpose, its start, its finish, especially, totally unexpected, And Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the week of his crucifixion, was also totally unexpected. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that Sunday of Holy Week, he came in an unexpected way and as an unexpected king. Two different ways we're going to talk about this morning for a few minutes before our baptisms. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, unexpected and unexpected king, the people were expecting a political liberator. But Jesus in humility had come riding on the humble means of a donkey, a colt to serve and, and give his life as a ransom for many and rule as king in hearts of men and women. This morning our baptisms are going to point to both this unexpected humble way and this unexpected king. So let's look together at both the unexpected way, the unexpected king. If you've got your outline, grab it and your scripture as well to Matthew 21. Let's start here. The unexpected way that Jesus comes, the entrance into the city. They are about to take this mission of Jesus to the great city of Jerusalem, the city of King David. And Jerusalem now at this time is the center of religious life of God's people. It's the bustling city of scholars and, and priests. What must the disciples have been thinking as Jesus asked them to go into town and request a donkey for him to ride upon. It's the only time in scriptures we hear about Jesus not traveling on foot, and this was the king's choice for transportation? The only time where he doesn't walk on foot. This was his chosen method? A donkey? When Robin and I were getting married Some years back, we had a woman in our church who was going to let us use this amazing uh, Mustang convertible she had, yeah, to drive away and from our reception, and I was really looking forward to that, (laughs) because I don't own a Mustang, never have, never will, but I thought it'd be really cool we'd, you know, leave the ceremony and, or the reception and go out and maybe cheering and start this thing, you know convertible as well, top-down, great photo op, and we're going to be driving away, and we would look fantastic riding away and people cheering. Well, the morning of the wedding, we're walking into the ceremony, and the lady comes up to us and says, I'm really sorry. My son had to use the car, but I brought my Miata. I was like, okay. Okay. Man, so we went from this convertible Mustang to this tiny Miata, and it was tiny. I mean, Robin barely fit in with her dress, was kind of spilling over the side. We had, you know, stuff in there. We're going to go away, and it was like, just really, we're stuffing ourselves into this tiny car. And as we drive away, everyone got a glimpse of the license plate that said, world's best grandma. (laughs) Man, that, that... That was really humbling to drive away. Nothing against grandmas, but we weren't grandparents, and it was our wedding day. That was humbling. Well, here, the king of the earth, the creator of all things, he doesn't come in on a chariot. He comes in on a donkey. He rides in on a donkey. Way more surprising, actually, than what happened at our reception. Way more shocking Because it wasn't who they expected him to be. Who do they want? He comes comes in this humble way, in this unexpected way of service and peace. This is who came. It wasn't who they expected, but he came in this unexpected humility to rule in this unexpected service and peace. He's fulfilling the prophecy, actually, of Zechariah. Look at verse 5 again with me. It says there, Say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, there's the word humble, and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Now he clearly wants the people to see that he is their rightful king, but he's not the political messiah they're hoping for. And his reign is going to be so different than what they had hoped for, so unexpected. The occasion of Jesus' entry into the town of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, At this moment, there's a really strong link in history for the Jewish people that we don't know, but it's good to understand. It helps us with the context. They were uh, in the midst of this celebration of a Maccabean feast. What is that? Well, the Maccabeans were these Jewish rebels that had ruled in Israel, that fought against the Greeks who were there and occupying in the early, like, 160s, 150s BC, so before Jesus' life by defeating the Greeks. And after they had done that, they had this rededication of the temple that was there in Jerusalem. Why? The temple had been desecrated by a Greek ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes. And what had he done? He'd sacrificed pigs on the idol in the temple. And he'd taken some of the booths around the temple and he turned them into a brothel. And so they had regained the Jews, the temple, through these these Maccabean uh, rebels and gotten it back. And so they rededicated it a few years after that in the 160s uh, B.C. And it was around this time, there's a connection here as Jesus comes back into the city. And at this first rededication of the temple, history records, you know what they said? They were saying, Hosanna. And they were waving palms and branches in this first rededication of the temple. And so now Jesus comes into the city riding on a donkey, and and what does Scripture tell us the people are doing? They're yelling out, Hosanna, and waving palm branches. Hosanna means save now. Save now. And now here's the picture now for us, the setting. The son of David, the king, is coming into the king's town. The king and high priest, Jesus, is entering the city, and, and Israel was absolutely blind to the kind of reigning Jesus would do. It's clear in their response, Hosanna and the palm branches, linking back to this first political liberation, they now wanted him to come in and kick out occupying Rome. Get him out of here now. Hosanna, save now. They wanted political liberation now. And guess what? If Jesus had given them that kind of liberation, that kind of freedom, they would have been more lost than before. We talked about this in Joseph's story. Remember, if God would have saved him from the pit he was in, he would have been lost in a much more profound way. The Jews needed saving, not just from the Romans, they needed saving from from sin and death, even greater problems than Roman occupation. And if he would have just delivered them from Rome and left them in their sin and death, they would be much more profoundly lost. They didn't know what they needed. And Jesus comes in so humbly on this donkey to do that and to serve them by giving his life for theirs on the cross and bring them peace with God that they never would have experienced. He just let them know this in the previous chapter too, Matthew 20, 28, even as the son of man came to not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he comes in this unexpected way as the true king with an unexpected mission as the true king. Let's look now at the unexpected type of reigning he was going to do. Quickly, we'll go through these, these few points. The unexpected king, not political, but of hearts and lives. The humble mission was actually, as he came riding in on the donkey, was actually so much greater than they could realize. As he sat on that donkey, he would soon be hanging on a cross a few days later for them. He was going to defeat their greater enemies and not just rule one small corner of the earth in Jerusalem, but a new eternal kingdom, an eternal ruling that would stretch over all ages and all people groups. He was going to build a gospel kingdom, not just a heaven earthly kingdom, but a gospel kingdom. And baptisms, that which we're going to see today, they point to this humble mission of Jesus and how it was accomplished. So, how did he do it? How did he liberate these captive citizens? And, and how does baptism show us this? Let's look at it this morning. Well, who was he coming to save? Was it an ethnic group uh, enslaved to an occupier? No. He was coming to free those who were born as capt- captive citizens of a dead end kingdom. That's who he was coming to liberate. Captive citizens of a dead end kingdom. If Jesus would have just freed them from the Roman Empire, what would have happened? Some other empire would have come along at some other time and some later date, as we know they did in A.D. 70, and then occupy again. No, they had a greater liberation they needed from the law and from sin. This is the state of humanity. We are all captive under law and dead in sin. No one is born neutral. No one. No one is born neutral. There's no no gray zone when it comes to humanity. You are either, as as the Bible says, born dead in your sin or have been made alive by the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ through his work. There's no mushy middle. There's no neutral gray zone. There's only two kingdoms. Christ's kingdom and the kingdom of the world. Scripture tells us we're all born into this world spiritually dead in sin and unable to keep God's law. In Galatians 3, Paul writes this, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, there's that captivity, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Paul writes to explain to us that we are born as as captives to something much greater than Rome much greater than any other ruling political party we might not agree with, we are born captive to something much greater, the perfect holy law of God and a perfect holy character, captive to the sin in our hearts that the law of God, his defining of right and wrong, according to his character, exposed in our heart. Until Christ would come, Paul writes in that Galatians passage, and through faith justify us, that save us, through faith, that he gives us paying for us changing us from the inside out through faith and we know this deep inside don't you know this when you do something wrong and you know it's wrong there's always an internal sense that says that well i should have to pay for that there is a sense that every human being has it's called the law written on our hearts Romans speaks of it as this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's as if in those moments when we do something wrong, we know that there's a little death deserved, a payment of some kind, somebody that has to pay for this wrong done. And actually that entire chapter of Romans 6, which you're gonna read in your growth groups, is about those who've been baptized into Christ Jesus through faith, and then it also speaks of their actual baptism, baptism and Christ's humble mission to free us from sin and death. To free us and save us in the unexpected way we didn't really even know we needed. And the Jews didn't in that moment. Romans 6 says this, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, there's that captivity, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And now having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. Set free from sin. Not in their own power, not in their own doing, not in their own work, but by humbly accepting the work of another. As he humbly came in that unexpected way, we too as followers of Christ humbly come to accept Jesus Christ. And we're freed now to be a slave of righteousness from the heart, the Romans 6 passage says. Uh, Like the heart power we talked about with Joseph what are our affections what do you love it's not an external keep the law to be accepted by god no it's now i'm accepted in the in the death and resurrection of jesus christ accepted and now therefore i obey not obey to be accepted i'm accepted therefore i obey that's the gospel that's what baptism points to that's what christ was coming to do on palm sunday from the inside out we obey Let's take a look then from the inside out how he does that. How are we rescued? We are rescued and freed to live in a new kingdom. How does he do it? What takes place? What was he coming on that donkey to do? Well, that wonderful passage in Colossians chapter 1 tells us, it says this, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, that's Jesus, to reconcile, to bring together two parties to himself, all things, whether on earth or in heaven. How? Making peace by the blood of his cross. We are reconciled, rescued, given peace through the blood of his cross. We are rescued through the cross. That is how. How? That is how he did it. That is why he came. That was the reason he was riding in on a donkey because it was like this long journey down in humility. Oh yes, he raised and he will come exalted, but his journey to the cross was a journey downwards in humility. From his birth, really. His life was a downward slope to the cross. But we know next Sunday he raised. But it was through the cross. This is what the Jewish citizens couldn't see until the Holy Spirit revealed it to them. And it's the same with us and our baptism candidates. It seems unexpected. It is antithetical to the world's idea of saving out of power and of deliverance. It's a kingdom of sacrifice. And it takes faith to believe that. Because it's so unexpected. It becomes ours through faith alone. Through faith alone. No, but I have that feeling that of payment. I, I know I've done wrong. I know, I, I know somebody has to pay. Yes, you're right. And that's what he does. He does. He's best at that. Through the work of the cross, it becomes ours. And we become freed through faith. We become free children of God through faith. That same passage we just read, Paul says it. It goes on after verse 20. We read uh, 19 and 20. It goes to 21. And you who were once alienated. That's a captivity idea. Alienated, needing to be reconciled. Alienated and actually hostile in your mind. And there's doing the evil deeds we talked about. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If, if indeed you continue in the faith, there's the faith, steadfast, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. See, we never move on from the gospel, to you see him saying that there? We never move on in the gospel. He says, no, continue in stable, steadfast faith in the gospel you heard. We never graduate from the gospel. We never move on to something that's deeper than the gospel. Nothing is actually more simple and more deep than the gospel. We say it again and again and again, and we reaffirm it to each other together as God's people. Do you know why? Because we're prone to believe that we're not saved by faith. We are wired to think by our own fallen nature, I know I have to pay, so I must obey to be accepted. That's not the gospel. You are accepted, therefore you obey. We see it in the picture today of our baptisms. To our two candidates, you don't move on from the gospel now that you will be baptized. You don't move on from the gospel We continue in it, Paul says in that passage. We are saved and being saved by faith in it. To be what? New citizens with a new king and a new identity. New citizens with a new king and a new identity. What are we saved to? What's our salvation for? We've said it that way before. A new citizenship, a new new king and a new identity we have in Christ. And baptisms give us a very rich picture of that identity. This is the kind of citizen Jesus was coming to save. One who also, in humility, would let someone dunk them underwater. I mean, think about that. That takes some humility. Last time, you know, we're, we stopped being bathed when we're babies, right? But here we're, at, we're allowing somebody to take us and place us in the water. There's a, it's a humble act. It's a submitting. It's an offering of our entire heart, life, and body as we're submerged under the water to this new king, the new identity, a new citizen for Donna and for Mason today. That's what baptism is all about. We are baptized into Christ's identity. It's not a work we are doing, but it's it's an identifying of all we are and all we have with Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us, and all that he's accomplished for us and will. As Christ died, was buried, and was raised, so we too go down into his death. We are submerged under the water of of baptism, and we come up with him, rising to new life. That's what baptism pictures. It's the identifying with Christ. Romans 6, that passage says, do you not know? all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And this new identity we all share is not one of political affiliation or ethnic affiliation, as they were hoping for on Palm Sunday, but one of spiritual rebirth a new identity, with a new King Jesus ruling and reigning in our hearts and lives, we become one with the church in Christ. One with the church in Christ. That's part of that new identity. One new people made not by a sword, which maybe they were thinking Jesus would do, not by might, not by power, not by words, not by weapons, not by money, and surely not by popularity. Is about to hang on a cross but one new people, the church in Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. We are one in Jesus, his body. And our Lord came riding on a donkey in an unexpected way to be an unexpected king of hearts and lives. So we get to see that now. We get to picture that now in our two candidates. We get to hear their story and how they are identifying with this humble act of Jesus and this king that was unexpected as they come to the waters of baptism in a humble way themselves. So let's welcome up our first candidate, Donna DeConing. Do you want to come up front? Let me grab the mic for you as you come on up. Before we even start, let me just pray for our time of baptism. Would you bow with me? Christ, you came as this humble king in this unexpected way. We ask you now to be here even in an unexpected way of blessing and grace. May these baptisms be a means of grace not only to Donna and Mason, but to us as well. Bless this time, we pray, calm many nerves they may have, and bring us to the foot of the cross to these waters, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. So, tell us your name. Let's do this. Let's get that up there so we can hear you, and they can hear you online, too. How long have you been coming to Bethany Church, and uh, what prompted you to come, Donna?
2: My name is Donna DeConing, and I started coming here. um,
1: I want to get those on. There you go. Now we are ready. We're fully ready now. (laughs) I
2: started coming to Bethany Church on March 13th of this year. Jesus brought into my life Carol Horn and Josie Peterson, God-fearing women, to love and hug me through my journey into this church. They have been my friends for almost ten years. Because of Jesus Christ and them, I stand before you today.
1: How neat to hear! And one of the great things I love—we just talked about oneness in Christ. Those friends, uh, Josie and Carol coming alongside of you and wrapping you into the body of Jesus Christ. So tell us then, Donna, how did you come to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?
2: I chose eternal life over death. Walking away from earthly things and embracing my inheritance with my Lord, Jesus Christ. I walk in the light because Jesus Christ gave us amazing grace, Faith, love, the way, the word, and the truth. Less of us is more of him, Hmm. Jesus Christ.
1: Hmm. That's those are humble words, as we're just speaking of that that gospel of humility to hear you say that is sweet to know that you see his work in your life and an embracing of, of and our shirts say death to life, our baptism shirts. And I appreciate you saying that. There you go. Model that (laughs) thing for us. (laughs) Well, tell us, Donna, how how has God been at work in your life lately?
2: I mean this with all my heart. I don't worry as much anymore. He already has it figured out. I do what I can, and he does the rest. Oftentimes, he surprises me. Sometimes, troubles fade away. What I have found is, I don't like the drama associated with being in charge.
0: <laughs> That's good,
1: I like that, So let I like that.
2: Let go, let
1: go. I don't like the drama associated of being in charge. That is actually a really interesting kind of brilliant way to say that. <laughs> I might steal that, is that okay, Donna?
0: Yes. yes. Okay,
1: I like that. Well, um, I, I love, too, that there's real practical ways he's working in your life, worrying less. And if you are his child, and if he's redeemed you and died for you, there is nothing that could come into your life that actually he can't use. And even the worst thing to come into your life, if it was your death today, you'd be in his presence today. The worst thing for you would be the best thing for you. Yes. How about some verses? Do you have some, I think you have a few verses you want to share with us that kind of go with a common theme.
2: Yes. Just a note here. I... Bought a cross um, because I wanted to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and it, on it, it says, it says be still. Mm. And on um, Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Isaiah 32, 17, the fruit of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah 64, 8. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand.
1: Mm, Continuing that, yeah, that humble theme. Some thoughts, I think you had a final thought on why those verses are something you wanted to say. What was that? My
2: My final thoughts were, wherever you go, whatever you do, Whatever you say, our Lord Jesus Christ is standing right beside us. So we all have to be walking in his light
1: always. You like that phrase. You mentioned that many times in our baptism class, walking in the light. Yeah, that's the the truth of his presence, the truth of his work, the truth of the gospel. That is walking in the light, remembering Mm -hmm. you are a forgiven daughter of the king, a new citizen. So... Donna, can you say today that you, with confidence, that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation?
2: I have done that with all my heart, Mm. with everything that is in me.
1: I think Josie, one of your friends you mentioned, is going to come and uh, pray a verse over you. Come on up, Josie. Yeah. Go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I'll hold this for you.
2: <laughs> I've known this lady for ten years and ministered to her for so many years that I am so glad that the Lord opened, uh, so that she opened her heart for the Lord, and the Lord gave me a scripture for her this morning, and it's a promise, and it's in, um, Philip Philippians, one six, Philippians, Philippians, Philippians yeah. one six. He says, "Be confident of this, that who that." He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until Jesus Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's going to hold you tight and hold your arm mm-hmm. and your hand. You just keep following him.
1: Let's pray for Donna. Lord Jesus, we pray a blessing upon her right now as she heads to her the baptism waters. May you bless her and hold her tight and give her the assurance that this step of obedience is walking in the light. And we love hearing her humble words and her testimony of trust in you. So it's in your name we pray now, a blessing upon her life. Complete the work that you have started. Keep her faithful until the day of your return. and all of us we pray, in Christ's name, amen. Pastor David around. There he is, right there. He's going to help me. Let's get you over there, Donna. Want to the front? Okay. There you go. Can you down? There you go couple more, and you're there. Okay, let's have you turn this way. You can take a seat. Hosanna and highest. (laughs) Donna, it is our privilege now to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mason, where are you? Come on up front. It's great, Donna. Hi. Hi. You ready? I think so. I think you are too. Well, what's your name? Mason. Last name? De You passed. All right, you're good. You're good to go. (laughs) By any chance, are you any family members here today? I was wondering, are there any here today? Uh, any family members? Raise your hand if you're a family member. Oh, hi. A quarter, You took up a quarter of the church today. We had to get more chairs. I'm glad. We're glad you're here. So glad you're here. Um, well, how long have you been coming to Bethany Church, and what prompted you to come?
3: I've been coming to Bethany my entire life. I think the first time coming to this church was when I was 10 days old. My mom and my grandparents grew up in this church.
1: Yeah, and your great grandma here today too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, tell us, Mason, um, how did you come to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?
3: I don't really remember a time before. I grew up coming to church here my whole life. I've been surrounded by family that believes in Jesus. I remember going to Sunday school and learning from my great-great-aunt Bev about the gospel. By six years old, I felt like I had enough information about Jesus and knew in my heart I wanted to accept him. My mom and I talked about it, and we prayed together sitting at the edge of the bathtub in her bathroom how old are you now? 12.
1: Like ancient, years ago. <laughs> Half your life ago. Yeah. Half your life. Well, that's amazing. And you know, that's the, uh, a story of many kids that grow up in Christian homes, talking with mom or dad and, and, and hearing about the gospel. And even at a young age, mm-hmm. feeling like you said, like, I knew enough to be able to accept him. But the great thing is, Mason, you now get your whole life to explore that and to grow in that and to know him more and get deeper with him. We just talked about it, and we don't move on from the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. That'll be the thing he wants to grow in you and see in you for your entire life. Um, It's maybe it starts at six, but it goes on. Yeah. How has maybe tell us how has God been at work in your life lately? You've got some neat thoughts about that.
3: I feel like I've gotten a lot closer to God in the last couple of years. I started attending youth group last summer and had the opportunity to go to summer and winter camp. With these experiences, I've really started to understand how and why God is so important in my life. I fully understand that walking with the Lord means I have internal life and receive this through faith alone. When I sin, I have instant regret because I know that in my heart I'm going against what Jesus Jesus wants. But I also know that I will never be without sin. The good news is is that I can repent and be forgiven because of Jesus' death and resurrection. The gospel is... Uh, Jesus's word. and result of knowing Him, I tried to live my life as Jesus would want me to, and I feel good knowing that He is always with me.
1: Mm, that's good. Those are great words. Do you have a uh, a verse that you would like to share with us? A favorite verse? Looks like you do. You want to read it to us?
3: Yeah, my favorite verse is Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it's the gift of God, not results of work. So not no so. That no one may boast.
1: Why that verse? Why is that verse important to you?
3: This verse is important to me because it reminds me that the grace is God's gift. I don't have to do things to have Jesus. I just have to accept him and trust him. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, it is. And we talked about that today. Mm-hmm. We are uh, accepted to obey. We don't obey to be accepted. We're accepted. And now, therefore, as you even wrote, how God been at work in my life? You have this desire from the heart to live for him, to follow him to give your life to him. And that's what you're doing today in this baptism. It's trusting him with everything you are. so we're dunking you under entirely. It's a symbol of all of you, your heart, soul, mind, body. Um, so Mason, then as we, before we pray and head into the water, can you say with confidence today that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation?
3: Yes. Excellent.
1: I think we have a couple of family members coming on up. Mike and Stephanie are coming up, mom and dad, and Brody there. And I think uh, Stephanie's going to pray for Mason, so let's do that now.
3: So God, we just want to thank you for Mason. Thank you that you have drawn him near to you and led him to understand what it means to walk with you. We pray that Mason continues to grow in his relationship with you and continue to seek what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. May Mason be an example of godliness to those around him. Please continue to reveal yourself to Mason as he grows and grapples with all the things that he may encounter in the coming years. Protect him and guide him on a righteous path. Amen. Amen.
1: All right, let's do it. Head on over there. said, it feels good. It does. It's warm. (laughs) You can just stay. You want to stay? We'll leave you here and we'll all go home. (laughs) All right. Well, it's our privilege now, Mason, you want to put your hands over here? Make sure there you go. It's our privilege now to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You good? Let's give both of them a round of applause for your guys.